Welcome to the 3v3 Podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. Now that we're into the doldrums of the offseason, I've had way too much time to reflect on my word choice from our last question, and we're going to ride this out, but using the word subsidized was a mistake. Could have phrased this better, but... How can we, communities, societies, cities, towns, municipalities, what have you, how can we subsidize the cost to get more kids playing youth sports like hockey? Wait, 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 wait. What word would you have used instead of subsidized? Uh, you probably won't change the answers, but I just want to know. No, it won't. Um, I should have just outright said fund. Okay. Um. And I'll go into my thinking in a few minutes, but it's just eh, subsidized wasn't the right word. It's I think we just have to think about the problems that um, stupid adults have created for the rest of the world. That's a that's a big, big topic, but we'll keep it to hockey. Yeah. <laughs> um, so after you'd asked this question and we stopped recording, I had said, and I stand by this, making equipment cheaper. Because um, one of, I mean, obviously ice time is, is expensive, but even if they were doing outdoor roller hockey rinks, even if there were more of those, and there should be more of those, quite frankly, that, that was the other part of my answer, um, equipment would still be expensive. And so, you know, most of the equipment that's being used in hockey hasn't really changed all that much in the last 20 years. You would think we'd have cheaper, durable, just as durable materials, and we don't. And so everyone's just doing the, well, we've always done it this way, so we'll keep on doing it this way. It's like, yeah, that doesn't really work anymore. So, um... So I think more, one, more outdoor rinks, like roller hockey rinks especially, not necessarily in warm areas, like traditionally warm areas anyway, either. Like all over. They need to be all over so that kids can play in the summer and just screw around. And um, cheaper equipment. Patrick? Cheaper equipment. Um, you know, it amazes me. You look at the, uh, there was an old model in the, in the tech industry that when you could buy a storage device for a dollar per gig, that was, you know, or a dollar per hundred megabytes, somewhere in there. You know, when it basically became one to, you know, a dollar per gig or a dollar per megabyte. The That's when you, you knew that the, that item was gonna be commoditized because the production levels had reached a certain point, the reliability, they had paid for the, the, the first cost, you know, the R&D, um, and and standing up the plants and everything they'd paid for all of that so now it was just purely okay prices have come down these things are so cheap to manufacture blah 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 
you know, you look at the flash drive, the the SSDs that we have now. You know, 128 gigabyte one would cost thousands of dollars, and now they're barely 99 bucks. So, um, how come hockey sticks haven't done that? You know, they mm-hmm. seem to be increasing in price, yet to somewhat to your point, Cassie, nothing's really changed in the last 10 years, right? No. Materials are still the same. Everyone is using some form of compound, you know, graphite, Kevlar, wraps, whatever, you know. And yet stick prices are still flying through the roof. And these are mass-produced items. You know how I know they're mass-produced? They literally send shrink wrap bundles of hundreds at you know to to a specific player or team. And it's not like there's some poor guy sitting there hand making all of those. No, they're coming off a line. So this is almost like big pharma, right? <laughs> It's like like big stick industry because that's that's the one thing I constantly hear from people. Oh, my God. You know, the skates are pretty bad. You know, some of the equipment's pretty bad. But the sticks, you know, two and three hundred bucks for a stick. Which, you know, in a lot of cases, especially a certain age, two or three hundred bucks buys you a good pair of skates. Why am I, you know, and sticks are quote unquote disposable. So I. And without them, you can't play ball hockey, right? I mean, you have to have, even if you didn't have any other equipment, if you just had a stick and a ball, a tennis ball, you could still screw around with that. Now, there were companies out there like, I think, Milac and some others that used to make the, the, uh, hard plastic blade and just shove a wood shaft in it for ball hockey. Still do. You know, they, yeah, and those are generally cheap, but, uh, you know, okay, so now if I want to go play real hockey, I still have to step up to that. I, ice time is whatever, you know. Ice time is always going to be ridiculous because it's a controlled surface. I would love, you know, for every skate park, if they were sitting next to it, a little half rink. You know, something along those lines. But it, it's just mind-boggling to me that the cost of certain pieces of equipment continues to go up without any radical improvement. You know, I'm old enough to remember the aluminum Easton. I still have one. Yep. That was the first pretty big leap in my lifetime of hockey equipment on, you know, visible hockey equipment. You know, oh, God, you take a propane torch and swap out a blade. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm pretty and sure I still have a scar from a cross check from one. <laughs> there's that. There's that, too. Um, you know, and they really they really didn't go bad, quote unquote. Um, unless you know, unless you overheated it and you saw a little crack in the aluminum, and even then, guys that just tend to tape around it. Um, and those were like two, three hundred bucks. Let's think thirty years ago. 
you're telling me that they've improved production and manufacturing and it's just I don't know how you fix it. In short, my answer is I don't know how you fix it because there's something that's and it's likely just straight up old greed because there's no way this the cost you know the the cost of the first stick is still being paid for in R and D right. And how uncommon are the materials being used, right? I mean, if they're so uncommon, why haven't they just swapped them out for more common materials? Uh, right? I, I mean, because in theory, that would be like not just R, you know, R&D, but, but cost of materials. You can in- go, yeah, I see what you're saying, Cassie. I mean, you know, again, 20 years ago, you know, 25, 30 years ago, the McLaren F1 road car mm-hmm. was, the, you know, was like the million dollar car because it was carbon fiber. It had, you know, all of this stuff It was world's fastest production road car. And, you know, now you can get carbon fiber elements on almost any brand of car. Now, right. it's still not cheap because the manufacturing process I get, but. It still has the the cost of production of that has still reduced greatly. Because, I mean, take a look around. And I guarantee you've got something in and around you that's got some element of carbon fiber in it. <laughs> and if they're going to complain about the graphite and you know all the other crap, well, yeah, you can go you can go find some really sweet you know graphite rods. For construction, or shit, even some graphite knives. I mean, I don't know. I, it's it's hard for me to say that it's not just they they're pricing things at what they think the market will tolerate. You know, I'm yeah. I'm so happy you both went down this direction because now I get to tell. Before, before the show, we were talking about our weekends, and I said mine was extremely dull. But it was very topical. Yesterday, I went with my oldest son, and we went to a used sporting goods store because he's getting back into skating. He's going to be taking a class starting next Saturday. And you could find five to ten-year-old lightly, and I do mean lightly used, the the only issue with any of it is maybe some uh, sun fading on some of the graphics on the outside of some of the gear. Um, We spent uh, less money to fully equip him with missing gear that he, he needed, basically everything but helmet and skates, for less than the cost of his class that he'll be taking soon. Now, pour one out for the uh, IO Mega Zip Drive, but I'm pretty sure the plastic from some recycled ones ended up in the shoulder pads and the and the elbow caps. Oh, just looking for a way to shoehorn the IO Mega Zip Drive. I still have after some that, of those. <laughs> yeah, a- a- after Patrick went on his, uh, you know, media or computer storage um, analogy. First thing top of mind, but I went to this store and I found all this 
pretty decent stuff. I mean, you know, you're always going to find some cheap rundown. They barely gave you any store credit for garbage. But I think ego, not so much greed, but ego is the, I think, one of the biggest influences in this small insular market where, once again, everything... All the problems come from the top down in hockey, and all the solutions have to come from the bottom up, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone looks at 2005 and how the game improved because a bunch of kids got used to a set of rules or a set of rules enforcement and improved the skill level. A bunch of older players had to retire because they couldn't sit out for a year. Yeah, so because they, were they already forced to have younger players come in, and they ended up being cheaper. They cashed in on time. the contracts they were able to sign, and they screwed generations of players going further post two thousand five. But one of the reasons I went specifically to a used sporting goods store is because everything the one local shop in my southeastern United States based independently owned hockey shop. It's all new. It's all highly priced, specifically for travel players and well-to-do six-figure income adults who can afford the, the latest and the greatest and don't want to bother with ordering online. And, and I think that's where I think some of the change needs to come. There's too much demand and there's too much ordering of a certain subset and price point of gear. And there isn't that good in between stuff. It's like, like cell phones. Yes, yes. And I think, thankfully, some of that has leveled out. But there's still a, you know, and, you know, I'm going to out myself as one of those fruit device owners <laughs> who just, I just target whenever I need one, I'll get the newest one that's out within reason um, because it's dependable. I'm stuck in a cycle and I don't feel like changing. Um, sports equipment can be much the same. Well, the the thing with the company that shall be not named devices and it and its ilk is they've. It's funny because they're they're common commodities now, right? Mm -hmm. the, the cell phone the cell phone wars are over, and nobody has won. But mm -hmm. what they do is they still charge. But they generally offset it by getting kickbacks from your provider. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, you go buy one without a cell service, it's still a grand. You go buy one with a cell service, oh, it's only 29 bucks. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and like you were saying earlier, they have finally, they're not dumping as much into R&D. I think they probably hit their break-even point. And I think equipment manufacturers have too. Um, I think that happened years ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. nothing has really changed. And there was a there was a small push from the outside. From uh, probably four or five different manufacturers who are, you know, still making produce different things. And only one has really caught on because they were willing to pay 
continually the NHL licensing fee to have their logo show up on equipment. Otherwise, it has to be blacked or marked out entirely. But everyone else has had to go inroads and be direct to consumer, and that just doesn't work when your market share is next to nothing from you know the tiny white dot in the commerce pool. Yeah, I just I, I fall back on <clears throat> the manufacturing process has got to be easy enough for someone to set up. And I'm 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 starting to get into this think local type stuff. Not get into it, but um I was sort of postulating, you know, why don't a few people start a small little regional equipment company and just fund, you know, just use it to make a make affordable, safe equipment for kids and adults. Well, I mean, I would even take it one step farther, and I'm asking myself, why isn't anyone jumping on the whole, let's try to be more environmentally responsible, like bandwagon in any kind of sports equipment manufacturing? Oh, yeah, that too, you know. You know, football, basketball, anything doesn't matter if it's hockey or not. I'm just thinking like, you know, we're bombarded with the world is ending, you know, messages and um, we all want our escapism with our sports, but yet sports isn't taking any responsibility for their part to play in like plastic manufacturing that is contributing to everything. So, because there's a lot of plastic that's being used in sports equipment. Which comes back to the, you know, this this all sort of regresses, devolves, evolves, progresses into the whole, you know, the, I was, the, the old shoulder pads and elbow pads, right? They used to be, you know, soft leather or pliable cottons or some material like that. And, well, before the before the equipment companies started leveraging it because it was a cheaper mm-hmm. production mm-hmm. and, you know, they got um, a lot more uh, durability out of it, which is like, hey, why wouldn't you want people buying new equipment every five years versus every 10? You're smart. Right. Um, you don't you're not saying you should build in a failure point, but come on. Um, I mean, yeah, it's like, do you want to charge people more for every 10 years or do you want to charge people slightly less for every five? And, but it also (laughs) comes back to the whole injury side of it too, right? Because when did, you know, I'm not going to say the concussions went shot up, you know, during, during the integration of the plastic, you know, armor that these guys are wearing because you know the old days had its fair share too but it was generally from literally someone's elbow not the plastic that they're wearing but you know there are studies out there that have indicated that you know the shoulder pads and elbow pads that players are wearing are contributing to injuries to other players on the ice so you know 
at what point in this god is just we've really fallen off topic but hey it's our show damn it um (laughs) have we i feel like we haven't i don't think we have we we never have a topic so we're always on it um so i think it was i want to say it was someone like kelly rudy or something who you know who made some comment about it should hurt to play goal. It should hurt to get hit or, or make a hit, you know, and the equipment's gotten to the point now that these guys are out there, you know, and I know it does. I'm not stupid enough. I've played the game, but it doesn't hurt nearly as much as it did 40 years ago. You feel a little bit more invincible because the equipment is such that, Great, it's doing a fantastic job of protecting you, but sort of at what cost overall? Like, not just to the environment or the ability to afford the equipment, but to the players on the ice, to the game itself. I mean, it makes man, it makes I, people sloppy, too, I on top really of that. Yeah, I really shouldn't have gone to a Primus concert last night. It's my <laughs> existentialism. <laughs> But it makes people sloppy, too. It's like the invincibility factor makes you sloppy because you feel like anything you can do is not going to, like, come back and bite you, right? And oh. so, and, and hockey in general discussion. is kind of, huh? Yeah. It's the stick discussion, too. Not only are they invincible, they're able to do something skilled with much more ease and much less talent. Right. Like, I had to have this, not argument, but debate with my nine-year-old yesterday where he just picked up his first cheap but composite stick with a bent blade for on-ice use because everything else I've made him use was a straight blade. He's He got good with that, but he's in the driveway. You know, he has a cheap plastic Franklin stick that you can find at, you know, any sporting goods store in their um, – hockey end cap (laughs) but he got good with it and learned how to control things so now i said okay you have now proven yourself responsible let's try out this entry level thing and see how you do whereas you know in any hockey market where there is some professional team that wins a championship, let's say there's an uptick in adults who want to play mainly because they have the disposable income at a certain point. And then they start playing and they're using all the new fancy toys because well, they're new and fancy toys and this is my escape and I want to do what I want to do. And then they get their kids involved, and then they think the exact same way. So it's, I still think it's its an ego in a, should we be giving you this tool right out of the gate concern. It reminds me of one of the kids in that new Mighty Duck series, right? The kid moved in from Toronto and, you know, had all this high-end equipment and, you know, Everyone thought, oh, my God, he's got all this you know, high-end equipment. He's going to be fantastic at hockey. And never even knew how to skate. Turns out his parents just bought him this stuff. Um, but, boy, could he flip a pancake. Yes, he could. <laughs> Order up. I'm, I'm sad he didn't make waffles because the circle would have been complete there. Oh, God, it would have, wouldn't it? Oh, my God. Yeah. That better be a season two plot point. I'm just saying, Disney. Oh, 
God, that, yeah. Do we have to think for everybody? I mean, come on, this is exhausting. <laughs> well, you, you've had to you've had to think for men for your entire life. This is true. You're giving away secrets. <laughs> You're giving away secrets. Uh, We're not supposed to know that, Patrick. I mean, you do because you've been married for a long time, but other men are not supposed to know that. <laughs> It's easier, it's easier to make them think it's their own idea if they don't realize that it came from you first. <laughs> so, I am going <laughs> to... This is so goddamn true. Um, so, I'm going to kind of pull together the original question and something that I dropped in earlier. And that would be, you know, subsidize is an interesting word. And I... I I kind of understood that you didn't want to use it when you asked the question, but now that you've said it in my little startup manufacturing thing, why wouldn't a sports entertainment organization find a local manufacturer that they could invest in to make a, affordable equipment for, you know, because the Kraken are running like these, you know, learn to play camps, right? Mm-hmm. You know what? It'd be awesome. You, you have your own Kraken branded equipment. It's very affordable. You know, it, it meets all the, the safety regulation standards, the whole nine yards. And, you go register for one of these things. They give you the free, you know, they, they set you up with equipment to try for that day. And then, oh, hey, by the way, there's a shop over there that sells the stuff. Yeah. Um, and, hey, I, I, I know of a small little startup uh, somewhere in the vicinities of the crack, Kraken's Rink that is very good at taking existing, you know, manufactured goods and reproducing it at cheap prices. I know, right? It's, yeah. it's the name of some city that that company is based in. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But, See, so, here's my here's my question. I'm gonna I'm gonna pop everyone's bubble. <laughs> I'd really love a Kirkland brand stick. That'd be hysterical. That'd be that cool. would a Kirkland and a Costco. Those could be the new the new Bauer and CCM. Well, so, the, uh, so really quick, Cassie. Yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah. The, the, the funny thing is, is, Pat, is they just private brand stuff for manufacturers anyway. I know. And that's, <laughs> you know, I mean, come on. They just buy volume, 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 you know. So. Oh, I know. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, Cassie. Think so, for me. So here's, here's my question. Um, how much bioengineering goes into any of this stuff? at this point is it just recreating things that have always been used in in different materials or is it actually getting the scientific background to research in, into research and development to make sure that the things not only fit right but that they work in the way that you expect them to because they are bio bioengineered in that fashion i think that's largely been done you know, I'm yeah, not, I would say it's, it's more finished. of a. No, it hasn't. Maybe for men. 
Well, you, I would do say you know, it's more do you know how little like women's equipment there is out there. <laughs> that you're actually, Cassie, right. you'd be shocked the amount of women's equipment I was able to find yesterday at a youth sporting. I was actually very happy. I was like, oh, this is actually we're making you know baby steps. But did you did you run home and tell your wife that you wanted a daughter now? Absolutely not. We are done. We are done. I will buy all the equipment and donate it to the first kid I see. There's so she my can man. Play. There's hey, my um, man. No, I think it's more of a, it, most of the equipment still is manufactured under a mechanical engineering mindset and not the bio. Where I, it's. I'm going to disagree a little bit, but go ahead. Well, okay. If you take, let's just limit it to helmets. Helmets are made, they're more form-fitting, they're better, they're less bulky, the plastic, there's less movement, but it's not doing anything to help with brain chemistry on hits. It's, it's The margins they're making in that department, I don't think, is worth a darn. Like, there has been medical studies from universities that said most hockey helmet manufacturers as of two years ago, there's probably only one helmet on the market that is quote unquote, keeping you safe when you take direct contact or, or basically shaking your brain versus how many 200, $300 plus helmets are there on the market. So I want to get in the whole concussion thing. Cause I, I, there's only so much you can do with a helmet to prevent concussions, mm-hmm. and they're only going mm-hmm. to prevent a specific type of impact causing a concussion. Um, which I'm not discounting should be done, but I, I, I think the cynic in me says that the reason that there's only one out there is because the benefits don't there there's no forcing function for them to to R and D. It's a cost benefit analysis. Yeah. There's no yeah. there's no forcing function for them to go R and D in your helmet for you know, if you got a hundred concussions, the type of hit that this would protect is one. As stupid as it sounds and is it's capitalism run amok, but it's capitalism run amok. Um, I think the bioengineering stuff, Cassie, it was done a hundred years ago, and they're just they're they're slowly like Pat was saying. You know, I know you've got way more experience of being a woman than I do. <laughs> um, <laughs> Probably yes. <laughs> I, I, I think I think that the growth of the women's game has opened a new segment of the market to where we will start seeing more of it. And, and like Pat was saying, you know, it's probably a baby step. So there is going to be, you know, I, I make this comparison constantly, but, you know, the women's game is not a hundred years behind the men's game as far as, you know, women playing organized ice hockey and everything, but it's a hundred years behind the men's game as being something that people want to invest in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, and and finally go, hey, there's an entire segment of the market we've been ignoring for 100 years. Oh, it's just women. No, no, no. <laughs> it's 
stop. It's a hundred years of a segment of the market we've been ignoring. <laughs> Go get it. So you'll, I, I think the bioengineering for the women stuff is going to catch up, but for the men, it's, it's, you know, kind yeah. of been done by a big, you know, waffle iron cup and a couple elbow pads, a couple shoulder pads, and some shin thingies and a helmet. <laughs> no. Yeah, and I think it's largely some of it's largely because you know the the elbows to the head are the are the ones that annoy the hell out of me. Kind of going back to the invincibility part of this whole thing. You know, when you used to see players make big hits, you know it hurt both ways. Right? Yeah, he may have got the worst of it but you're going to be feeling it too. And mm-hmm. that's not the case anymore. You know, so you've, if you've ever hit your elbow on a wall, that's some bitch hurts. You ever put on a hockey elbow pad and hit your elbow on a wall? Yeah, you don't feel anything. Somewhere between those two is where we need to be. Cause you know, hucking an elbow into someone's chin, no helmet's going to stop the concussion we're getting from that. And I've, you know, I've got a big, huge, invincible, hard shell object on my shoulder or on my elbow. There you go. Pop right in the melon. Then, you know, Duncan Keith stands over you and goes, wakey, wakey. I was thinking Scott Stevens, but okay. No, Stevens didn't really talk much. Mm, You're right. He was a hit and run kind of guy. Very much. Howdy, that's a great way to describe him. Um, it's a shit good because the whole Paul Korea thing came up again recently. Uh, I was just going, Yeah, you know, there's I'm sitting there looking at every one of those hits he took. What was gonna save him? You know? I don't I don't think hardly any of the hits that he took that resulted in his concussions were going to be prevented by existing equipment. And I say existing equipment because if full cages were a thing, you you know, you build in like a crumple zone like a car has. But right now your chin sticking out there and I can go whack it. It hurts, can confirm. Yeah. Oh, I've I've taken elbows to the chin before and yeah. you know, I've accidentally, you know, run my face into a guy's shoulder and boy howdy, you see stars. I mean, I I've stopped pucks with my chin and it's uh you know, it's uh it works. <laughs> Don't leave it at that. Yeah. But the one Even when it should the, Yeah. <laughs> The one time I played with the full cage and got elbowed, it was like, okay, you know, it was more like a, a football helmet face mask type thing where it hit, you know, right sort of around my chin. But the way I was buckled in, it really just sort of pushed my whole upper body back versus, you know, just that hard whip. So, yeah. In the... Let's see, nine weeks that I've returned to playing since, you know, things in the outside world improved and then went right back to garbage. Um, 
wearing a full bubble has probably saved me from four different concussions. Just because yeah. someone was using too light a stick, it get whipped around, and uh, I probably would have lost an eye. See, as a woman, we have no choice. <laughs> we have to wear full cages, masks, things, stuff. That's depending rules. upon the league. And, well, yeah. And I mean, also, so you're just smarter about it. Let's be if, honest. If it's well, a they are women. Thing. They're they're generally a, smarter about most things. It's a sexist yes. thing, actually. Um, back in the day when I was playing, because I haven't played in a long time. Um, I actually questioned it because I am one of those people who questions authority. And <laughs> and I was like, well, why do we have to wear it? And the, and the guys don't. And literally was told to my face. Now, mind you, it was the early 90s, but still literally was told to my face because we don't want little girls getting our pretty faces cut up and getting scars. And I just kind of blinked, and I was like, "Alrighty then," and then turned around and walked off. <laughs> Scars are awesome. They give Not you, even they give you a cool story. Well, I mean, I have I have like a three and a half, four inch scar on my elbow where I broke it when I was, you know, breaking in some hockey skates that broke me in. But um, but still, you know, it was just. So we were always joking on, on the bench and during practice and dressing room and stuff about where can we stash nail files in case we break a nail. I have thoughts. I think we can find the right manufacturer to make this happen. <laughs> well, at that point in time, it was it was the aluminum shaft sticks, right? And so we were like, well, you know, we could just jimmy the the wood end off and we can start sticking we can put them in there <laughs> get to the bench we can pop it oh, off. oh and now it's just it a plastic cap in the end that you can easily pop off yeah so and then other people other girls were like oh maybe we should put it in our skates no no that might like rub the wrong way literally hmm what can we do you know <laughs> the, the the cuff of the glove you know, yeah. we're, we're all the, we're all the. Yeah, so we we figured so it was either shove their mouth guards. <laughs> it was kind of it was either ways. going to be. We decided as a group that it was either going to have to be in the shaft of the stick, because again, hollow aluminum shafts, and uh, or or make a little pocket on our elbow pads. That so would can, work. Just, you know, pull it out right there. So. <laughs> yeah. By the way, Pat, not all scars have cool stories. I have two that would. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. <clears throat> um, I mean, you can I make can. up cool they... stories. That's the point is you can make up cool stories because I have got a I've got another really large one on my knee. And the story is really good and really long, but um, it's really super long. So I have to, like, figure out a short way to tell people <laughs> They ask. Um, one of mine, I will just say, children don't attempt to catch a pop fly baseball with the mitt for your wrong offhand. Mm, yeah, that's not good. Yeah, mm. especially when you're just trying to prove that you're you know, fairly proficient at being ambidextrous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And then the, I believe it was a child from Hawaii pitched both ways in a Little League World Series game. I'm sure he's a future um, hockey player waiting to happen. Oh, yes. And the Colorado Avalanche, you know, he'll win a cup after winning the World Series. And we'll never hear the end of friend, it. Yeah, the my first... poor friend Michael from New Jersey will, you know, never not hear the end of it for me. <laughs> The so, first ambidextrous uh, uh, shooter since Gordy Howe. So, Chelios. If, if you're wondering, if you're wondering about how that works in baseball, they're actually listed as two different players, even though it's the same guy pitching both ways. Little bonus trivia for you. <laughs> well. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> That, uh, so once again, it's the database. And, <laughs> I was gonna say, once again, it's the database. Right wing and left wing, right? Yeah. Well, databases no, in, in are hockey, determining rules. In hockey, you would it would be the same player, but as a pitcher, you would be you actually be on the roster as two different players. Huh. Because, and actually, the reason I know about this for baseball is because there was a college player who could pitch both ways. And there was an article about him like five, 10 years ago or something. And I was reading up on this. And so that he had, he was listed as two different pitchers because he could not, if once he started pitching one way, he couldn't switch halfway through a game. He could only pitch one, one hand that so game. So he couldn't go batter to batter. Right. Which yeah. sucks because you know what the hell's the point right so so he had to he had to be a right-handed pitcher for that entire game or a left-handed pitcher for that entire game he couldn't like switch off and on and that's why they listed him as two different players it's totally unfair but i think part of that too was just the fact that his brain couldn't make that transition partway through a game it wasn't just a matter of the NCAA trying to make it quote unquote fair. It was also the fact that he just physically was unable to do it. Well, he couldn't get any accuracy problem. the other way. <laughs> he couldn't get as accurate or as fast if he switched in the middle of the game. So that's a, yeah. that's a him problem, not an us problem. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, no, I'm not having it. I'm not having it. <clears throat> Whatever makes you happy. Nothing makes me happy. You should know this by now. Mm. Yeah. Um, so anyone else feeling comfortable about the Kraken roster? Because everyone kept saying, that's not going to be the roster they end up with. There's still too much time left. Yeah, TikTok kids. Oh, no, it's the roster. It's, yeah, it's the roster. I, it, it's the roster. And guess what? It's panic fine. It, it's safe. It's they will win games. Kirkland brand vanilla ice cream. <laughs> everything. I've just been in an ice cream kick lately, so everything's coming back to ice cream. Mm. The big thing is who's the player that's going to end up in the minor leagues that shouldn't? A la Mr. Uh, Shea Theodore. Opening night, because there's going to be at least one or two 
because they'll be stuck with NHL contracts that they have to stash in the minors, just based on pure numbers. Oh, yeah. Unless they pull off another spectacular trade for a fourth-round pick. Spectacular trade. Whoa, 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 whoa. Spectacular trade, Ron Francis. You're getting a third. Let's... Fourth is it's a bit sacrilegious here. <laughs> a little too optimistic there, buddy. <laughs> Fine. Well, I got nothing else. Yeah. Hmm. I can pull the shoot. You have something? Go for it. I do. As as we're in our off-season every other week schedule. Oh, we are? Good. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I figured I would declare it this time for you, Cassie. (laughs) So that you were not sitting there alone in our chat. Hello, is anyone around? (laughs) I appreciate that. Thank you. So considerate. That's never been a word used to describe me. Um, Okay. How do I frame that? Okay, I'll frame it this way. How can you build a hockey roster, a a single line, five players and one goaltender, going minus seven days and plus seven days from the date of your birth? So as an example, I was born on October 31st. So going back to October 24th or forward to November 6th. Can I find players born on those days anywhere in that range to build a hockey team? Can you can what roster do you end up with? Probably three players because my birthday's in December. Oh, you might be surprised. Mm-hmm. I'm not. There's no. Okay, so here's here's another clarification. There's no limit on era. You can go all the way the frick back to 1894 to today. It just needs to be within a week plus or minus of your birthday. This has been the 3B3 Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at 3B3 Podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees.